I'm Mike Zapsik of I Sell Comics and Comic Book Man on AMC TV, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 166. My name is Jay, and the Jedi are us, and kids, you will have no need to excuse me in order to flick my bick this evening. My bick has been flicking on and off all evening as I have been enjoying these groovy, groovy tunes that you are hearing in the laid-back background behind us. These indeed are the tunes of tonight's guest, Those Shadow People. Tonight we're going to be chatting with Mr. Phil Buck, one of the heads of this uh, many tentacled beast that has created this very, very cool project involving comic books and musical endeavors. But first, tonight's episode of An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Pites and Pages. Come and hang out with some of the GT's coolest comic creators. This is an event that's going to be happening downtown Toronto at the Cameron House, November 14th and 15th in the back room, 408 Queen Street West from 3 to 7 p.m. It's a Facebook event. You can get onto your Facebooks. You can look up Pints and Pages and check it out and come along. Uh, We're going to be hanging out with some very, very cool people at this event. Saturday is going to be featuring such artists as uh, Mike Ruth, Keith Grichow, Ricky Lima, Aaron Ong, and A. Shea Han. Uh, Sunday, Jason Liu, Sean Daly. That's right. The ever-elusive Sean Daly. Actually, he's not elusive at all. What am I talking about? Uh, he's all over the place. He's uh, he's becoming a fixture over on the Intercomics podcast as well, which is cool. Also, the Black Hole Hunters Club boys, Shane Amato and Ricky Lima, will be there as well again, Mike Ruth and A. Shea Han. I got to meet A. Shea at Hamilton Comic Con the other weekend there. Very cool guy. And uh, I'm not surprised that uh, he ended up being in this circle of uh, many cool guys. So again, Pints and Pages at the Cameron House. 14th and 15th of November in the back room, 408 Queen Street West. Come, please, hang out. We're going to be there. We're going to be podcasting. We're going to be talking. We're going to be drinking. We're going to be having a great old time. Now, on to this evening's festivities. I met this individual when we were covering uh, Denver Comic Con in Podcast Peak for the Points of Interest Podcast Network earlier in the year. Uh, We were out there uh, doing that, and I got to meet Phil Buck, and uh, he's one of the heads of this many tentacled beast called Those Shadow People. It is a very cool concept where uh, there is a comic book, Those Shadow People, and there is also a band, Those Shadow People. Uh, they are all making art that are inspired from the same place. So it's not that uh, it's like a soundtrack for the comic, but it actually, in a way, literally is a soundtrack for the comic. Uh, but I'm going to let Phil explain it all to you as we venture into tonight's interview with uh, a very, very cool guy. I had a really, really good time talking to Phil. I hope he comes back soon. We'll talk some more. Uh, so here it is, my uh, lovely conversation with the very, very cool Mr. Phil Buck of those shadow people. Have a good time.
Absolutely. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good. You sound fantastic. Yeah, I got a real mic in a M Audio box over here, so. Good lord, look at you. This may be the finest Skype call I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be prepared, sir. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, I gotta be. I mean, you know, it comes in handy for music and podcasting. Well, so. yeah, I guess so, eh? Uh, you, you probably have a pretty. Well, actually, I've kind of seen your setup through some of your Facebook pics there. Well, that's my buddy Tim that really has the the elaborate studio setup, but um yeah it's it's definitely nice over there good times well it's good to speak with you again yeah thanks for having me man i appreciate it <laughs> absolutely I, i'm sorry about whatever happened in denver it no was worries. oh man first it was our okay these aren't excuses these are reasons <laughs> <laughs> but i uh it was our first podcast like doing like a con live where we brought our entire setup and uh, it was actually cool because that weekend, those other two fellas, Francis and Josh, my co-conspirators in the Points of Interest podcast network, that was our first time ever meeting in person was that weekend. Wow. Yeah. That's and, awesome. And we'd already been podcasting together for like three years, right? <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. So it was a big old party. And uh, we were in Denver. And uh, <laughs> there was some chocolate getting passed around. I understand. <laughs> and it, it, I wasn't I wasn't ready. Do you smoke weed? Yeah. Okay. So I like to eat it even more, honestly, but Well, I've but. eaten I've eaten it here or there, like a brownie here or there, you know, which uh, have been nice, you know, you get that kind of body bu- buzz kind of massagey kind of thing going on. And I don't know what it was, but my friend who I was staying with there, he works at a dispensary, right? Right. So it was just a smorgasbord and uh but everything, you know, I was holding my own. We're doing okay. I'm, I'm a Canadian boy, right? And uh, But then he breaks out the this chocolate bar, and it's like a caramel, like little squares, you know what I yeah. mean? And I ate three of these little squares, and about 20 minutes later, I felt like I was about to trip out. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever done shrooms, too, but have you get the yawns. Do you know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, I do. I, Oh, I totally get the yawns. And I started getting the yawns while I'm sitting there at the table. And I'm like, oh, well, this is no good. Am I about to, like, <laughs> trip balls in the middle of a Comic-Con? Like, <laughs> and I'm I'm literally, I'm sitting at a table for a podcast, which pretty much means, please come talk to me. Right. And my brain was just scrambled. So it was an interesting <laughs> time. But uh, I understand. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and because of whatever happened, we lost so many good recordings from that weekend uh, because uh, just my buddy's laptop fritzed out, and it was it was just a mess. So hopefully we're more prepared. But here we are, second time go around, right uh, which is always fun times as well. Yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, I'm always happy to talk. Uh, forgive my occasional slurping, but I just picked up a beautifully new warm cup of Tim Hortons coffee. Nice. Hey, yeah, I'll have a cocktail over here as well, so I'll try to – I have a slurp or two, but, you know. Nice, please, sip away. <laughs> or maybe just ice cubes, like, jingling <laughs> Clinkling around. and clanking. Yeah. That's always cla- – that's a classy background background mm. sound to have going on. <laughs> just reminds me of uh, Trailer Park Boys. Uh, what is it, Julian that always has a, yeah. a glass? <laughs> you know, they, they seem to be more known in Denver than most other states I've been to. Really? 
Yeah, there's yeah, there's well, uh, you know, they kind of picked up in the states in the past, you know, year or two, maybe a bit more. But I mean, they've been big here for a while. And, yeah. And uh, but Denver, mo- I've heard most references from Denver people. That's interesting. Yeah, who've brought them up. So I don't know if maybe there was a channel that played it a lot there or something. But uh, and it kind of makes sense, you know. I can see those people feeling akin to the Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. It's funny because I I actually grew up in Tennessee and I watched that show probably I don't know seven years ago with a buddy that was just like pirating it from Canadian TV, you know, and I he just binge watched it. He would sit around in our house and watch episode after episode, and eventually I got roped in, and I just, I just think it's hilarious. These guys are awesome. <laughs> nice pirating Canadian television. Yeah, you day. know, it was really the only way to get it at that point. I mean, it wasn't out on on anything i can think of oh yeah and netflix hadn't really taken off or anything at that point i i seem to remember you telling me that uh you're not a denver native how long you been in denver we my wife and i moved here about six years ago so we're pretty rooted oh, here okay. now yeah pretty but, good you chunk. Know, yeah but we spent the majority of our lives in the south part of the u.s like you know upper southern i guess we're not the deep south but you know that's where we grew up was tennessee memphis and uh, other parts of Tennessee as well. So what comes first for you, the comics or the music? It de- definitely was the music. I mean, I mean, at this point, I don't know. It would be hard to prioritize one over the other. But chronologically, the music, yeah, for years. I mean, since I was like 15, I've been learning and, and performing and recording music. Comics kind of like was always a hobby, but... I didn't get into making them until recently. So what brings you into the music at uh, at a teenage age? I would have to guess, like most people that got into music, if, well, especially if you were a nerd, it was that way to, you know, uh, have like a, a social life beyond uh, video games and comic books and that kind of thing. I, I mean, really, I had a friend that played guitar and he was a pretty good guitar player and he needed a bass player. And so he was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'll show you some stuff. And I got hooked. I mean, I loved it. And, uh, I kind of got obsessed with playing bass for a long time. And that's what I did for years. But, um, you know, I grew up, I mean, even as a small child, I took, you know, piano lessons. And so I had that in my rooted in my brain, you know, I just didn't really get into it until I was a teenager. And then being, uh, in Memphis, it's a really, it's a music city. So it wasn't long before I was in bars, you know, too young to actually be in the bars, but playing gigs and that kind of stuff uh, from a very young age. That's, yeah, that must have been cool growing up in Memphis. Uh, my my ultimate all-time musical idol, uh, the king of rock and roll himself, Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you know, more a Louisiana boy, but still, you know. Spending well, his know. time on the Memphis scene and such, but all those guys, you know, like uh, yeah, the whole the Sun Record days. That's what really drove me. When I was a kid, my grandmother had the original forty five for Great Balls of Fire. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. I, oh, I would just play it. Oh, she had a couple Elvis forty fives, and she was a genuine like Bobby Soxer. Like me, she had her own poodle skirt and everything, you know. <laughs> so it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Memphis has got that going, you know, Johnny Cash, Elvis, yeah. Jerry. I mean, just so many people that uh, you couldn't really escape. It just kind of permeated the culture. It was uh, just his 80th birthday yesterday, or sorry, the 29th. 
Yeah, I think that was. Was that yesterday was it, or the day no, before? No, you're right. That was yeah, the day, day before. before. But uh, 80 years old and still wow. kicking, still playing yeah. shows, and still Sometimes recording. Sometimes I forget. I, so many people in his you know, scene are not around anymore. Sometimes you forget that he's still kicking. Yeah, the one, of course, who, you know, probably should have gone out first <laughs> ends up being like, you know, kind of like the precursor to Keith Richards even, you know. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned piano and you mentioned the bass. Uh, are those two your forte, or do you play anything else? Uh, you, I would say you nailed it. Yeah, those are my forte, but I do play other instruments. I mean, I'm, I'm decent on a guitar. I've uh, dabbled on a trombone and nice. Uh, you know, I just try to. I don't know. I try to play different instruments so that I can write, you know, songs for them. Basically. Right on. Yeah, yeah. You want to be full while you're writing. I'm a, I'm a big ska guy. Yeah. So I just I love the horns. I love the trombone, the trumpets, the sax. Oh, the, you ever heard of the Slackers? I think we talked a little bit about ska when we were in Denver together. Most likely, yeah. They're, you probably uh, told me a little bit. I'm not huge on ska. I mean, I probably only have scratched the surface, but I do like that style of music along with all the other connected genres. Well, there's been a resurgence in like the past, like a lot of these bands are older than this, but I'd say in the past 10, 15 years, ska went from in the 90s being kind of pop punk ska, you know, like Goldfinger yeah. type stuff. And, uh, but then there were, there was, there were these bands on the indie scene, uh, out of New York City mainly and Boston. And these bands just brought it back to that Motown soul feeling, you know, Ooh, just yeah. that, that dirty Kingston, reggae rock that rock steady and there's these bands nowadays the scene is just vibrant slackers the agrilites it's it's just an amazing amazing time for ska music oh nice yeah yeah i can i can feel that kind of stuff it's just like i i always liked it and i always liked reggae but and i always liked soul music a lot i was big in a motown and then when i heard it thrown in with reggae and this dirty feel it was just like okay there it is that's my heartbeat <laughs> like I could listen to that and nothing else ever, you know. So, so as far as the comic side, do you just grow up your typical kid, kind of, you know, comics yeah. when you're younger. You take that three or four year break when you're ten to fifteen or whatever. Yeah, that's really fair. I mean, that, yeah. that's pretty much me in a nutshell. I think it's funny when you talk about comic book fans. I think it depends on when you're born, kind of how you got into it. Because I feel like a lot of my generation actually got into it through cartoon shows based on comics, like. X-Men and Batman, the animated series, all those kind of things were the anchor point for us, you know, and then as we got older, we were like, you know, went to okay, the so source. I'm not to date you, but are you a 90s kid then? or? I mean, I was born in 84, so, you know, formative years were in the 90s, but I mean, does that technically make me a 90s kid? What do you, where do you have to be born in the 90s? Uh, no, I think it's more your formative years. Like, I was born in 77, but I look okay. at myself as an 80s kid, right? Like, gotcha. uh, I kind of, I was about, I was six years old when Return of the Jedi came out. Ah. And I remember that pretty good. So I was, I consider myself slightly too young to be like a, maybe a preteen in the 80s to really remember it and soak it in. Right. But as a, you know, whatever, three to 10 year old in the 80s, fantastic time you know like right greatest time ever but then my little brother is 10 years younger than me and he was what is what i would consider more of a 90s kid i think okay. you're a bit you're a bit older than what i'd say but like you know he was born in like 87 or something okay but more of the power rangers kids you know i was ah. i was just too old for power rangers you know 
I was right there. I wasn't like into them, but I was young enough when they were around to have, you know, I think me and my brother both had like some Halloween costumes of Power Rangers and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm probably in there with the nineties kids. But it's more, uh, it's, uh, you're right about the cartoons, but I don't think the age really mattered even, uh, when it came to those cartoons like X-Men, especially Batman, the animated series. Yeah, like, they were so good. Yeah, <laughs> didn't... just owned the 90s. Like, like, I think we're pretty spoiled for the cartoons we had in the 80s, of course. Oh. You know, like, uh, you know, of course your G.I. Joes and your fucking everything else down the Thundercats, line. Thundercats. Yeah. So much. The 90s didn't have as much, but it had those few really standout ones, you know, right. like like Batman, like X-Men, like just really, really solid series, you know. So so that brings you kind of back into the whole superhero thing. I think that's how I got exposed to it initially. And I can remember as a kid also collecting like the tops X-Men cards. And, you know, I definitely bought comic books, but I wasn't like hardcore then like I am now. You know, I can remember owning the issue where Bane broke Batman's bat. Uh, nice. Bat. And Nightfall, then, yeah. What's his name? Azrael that took over. I had all that. You know, I remember buying those comics. But, you know, at the time, it was more just kind of like it was just fun. And now as I got older, you know, and I kind of just fell in love with them again, I would definitely say my younger self doesn't have anything close to the – interest that i do as an adult which is kind of weird but maybe i don't think i'm alone on that uh i don't think you're alone but i think it's it's fairly unique i mean i <laughs> like the story i hear a lot that i live too was you know you're into comics as a kid because you learn about batman and superman before you've read a comic book that's just a kid thing to learn right but then in the 80s when you had super friends and you kind of learned your superheroes from there and then you realize oh there's comic books so, you know, you collect as a kid or you kind of get into comics, but then you kind of fall out of them during those preteen years. But I remember for me, it was Todd McFarlane. Ah. And when he took over Amazing Spider-Man, that's when I really got pulled back in. Wow, okay. And I remember seeing the cover of, uh, I think it was Amazing Spider-Man 298, when he uh, brought in that Chance character. And it was the first time on the cover we'd ever seen a McFarlane Spider-Man. Ah. And I remember thinking to myself as like a 13-year-old kid, why are there barbed wires shooting out of Batman or Spider-Man's wrists? <laughs> well, and, I remember those issues as well. I mean, I didn't know McFarlane at that time, but I mean, that was also, you know, the the cards and that kind of thing that I collected. I know what you're talking about. That was the Spider-Man I grew up on. Yeah, that's when we got sucked back in, and that was that's when a lot of the kids from those age who are old enough to be making the movies now are making all those storylines and stuff. I think because you know they remember it, and that's why everything old is getting made new again. I think because we grew up, and now all the thirty to forty year olds are like, we can make what we loved, you know. So <laughs> and we have the money now too, so they're happy to make it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So where do where do the lines cross? Where does the divergence happen as far as this idea? Like, are you deciding to yourself, I want to make comics as you're making music? Or is it a single idea of, like, did you have a idea for the comic or the music and then brought them together? Or were you like, I want to make something that is a comic and, and music and combine the two? It's a good question. It's, I mean, it was definitely, definitely like an evolution where it went from where working on a certain type of music and then kind of evolving this idea of having a comic book around it or with it. You know, it wasn't, it was never really, 
I didn't just sit down one day and say, I'm going to make music and comics as a thing. It was, it just kind of came together slowly over, I mean, over years, really, it kind of gelled. Yeah, well, I, I, I figured there's got to be a base there and one you've got to be really comfortable with because a lot of people work so hard and know how difficult it is to create your own comic book and get it out there and self-publish <laughs> it. And you go and, deci- go and decide, well, let's make it twice as hard and, you know, put a band on top of it. <laughs> well, I think ignorance is bliss there because I don't think I had a clue, you know, how hard it was going to be to make a comic book, <laughs> which is great because if I had, I probably never would have done it. I mean, uh, it goes both ways. I mean, when you don't know what you're doing, you definitely are not going to make the best thing possible, the best, the best comic possible. But it also kind of blinds you from how much work you know, you're going to do, and and it doesn't seem as daunting. You just think, oh, I'm going to make a comic, and then years later, you're like, okay, I made a comic. That was hard, but... (laughs) That's, I hear you, though. It's a dive it in head first. That's what I did with this podcast, and, uh, you know, as I got into it and wanted to get better at it, and all of a sudden, you're like, every day, you're like, oh, shit, I've got to learn this. Yeah. Oh, shit, I've got to learn this. And then a year later and a million YouTube tutorials later. Totally. You know, you've learned all the programs you need or your audacity or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah, there's so many little steps along the way that, you know, luckily if you have that passion for it, you know, just like with your podcast, if you want to get it done, you, you'll learn. But I don't think you ever can see you know, how much you're going to go through until you're in it. So, <laughs> yeah. And you never know what it's going to become. Like I just started the show wanting to bullshit with a friend and that's all it was for a while was bullshitting with a, with friends of mine about right. whatever the hell came up. It was never meant to be a comic book podcast or a star Wars podcast. Those were some of the things we talked about, but it just happened to also be the new 52 release at the time. Ah, so we ended up just talking about that all the damn time yeah you had plenty of stuff to talk about then (laughs) yeah so it kind of evolved into being like a star wars comic book podcast and i had an old co-host but then he left and it became my own thing and then it slowly evolved and morphed into pretty much being mainly an independent comic book creator interview show Wow. Well, I I should say interview show. I interview a lot of people, but I still take those episodes here and there to just bullshit with friends because it's what I want to do, you know? But yeah, I never saw it getting to the point where I'd end up getting into all these comic cons and meeting all these amazing people. (laughs) You know, it's it's killer. Yeah, it's cool. So I'm sure you don't do this. Well, I know you don't do this completely alone. So who's the team? Oh, man, it's a big team. I mean, on the music side, my number one partner is my friend Tim Santos. Um, we we live here in Denver together, and as you were saying earlier, he has a pretty nice little home project studio he's put together. So, you know, he is probably the biggest um, guiding force, musically speaking. Him and I write and record a lot of music together, and then we bring in so many other people to do music with us, just friends that uh, are either here in Denver or actually we are sending our tracks back and forth with people across the internet all the time. So, you know, I have a good friend in Seattle, a trumpet player, uh, Dave, Dave B and he he will record, you know, his own vocals and then trumpets on songs. And then I have a good friend in Nashville, Tennessee, Zach, that's our mostly our drummer, uh, but he also sings and, you know, we just kind of ping 
passing these tracks back and forth to anybody that's uh, that's up for it. So that's part of the reason why we came up with a comic book is because we couldn't really do a band in the traditional sense uh, since we are so spread apart in some ways. That's brilliant. It's really brilliant. Like the comic, I was just gonna say the comic is kind of meant to represent all these people. It's kind of a way of showing us without necessarily being in the same place. Hey, dude, you're you're ahead of something here. You're definitely where the puck's gonna be at this moment. I'm feeling like because it, it's a big thing. And I, again, I'm, I'll relate this to the podcast thing occasionally because it's just you know I'm not in a band and I don't make comics, so that's what I. But yeah, it, I can relate. Creative it, process yeah. re- relates, right? But I mean, uh, this network that I'm part of that it's grown into where I have like these 14 or 15 friends all across not just North America but across the pond and such. Yeah. And we've all combined to form Devastator in this awesome way and create this thing. And most of us have never met. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful thing that even beyond conversation, you can also do that with music. Like I recently saw a video on Facebook. Uh, it was a cover of Stand By Me. But this guy went around to like 10 or 15 different countries and recorded musicians just in the street with whatever they do doing their version of stand by me and then put the whole thing together. Oh, I love that. So he basically gave each one of them, look, this is going to be the timing or whatever. And he stitched it all together. And it's this incredible version of stand by me by all these artists you've never met, don't know each other or all across the globe. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. You know, I agree, man. It's it's where we are. I mean, with the internet these days, it's it's how we can do things that you couldn't do ten years ago. You know, it's just crazy. So why don't you get deep for a second and explain to us exactly like the theme of the comic and the band and how everything fits together? Like, kind of give us our our origin story of those shadow people. Okay, sure. Um, so those shadow people started as a I mean, mainly just a bunch of songs, kind of like leftover songs. Like I was telling you, Tim and I, um, we've been playing music together for a long time, and we had a band called The Biz that was kind of like upbeat dance music. And, you know, that's not that's not the style of music we've always done. It was just the music we were doing at the time. So these songs kind of spun out of our time just riding together. And eventually, you know, we didn't know what to do with them, so we just sat on them. And we had like 20 tracks that were just kind of this different style of music. And uh, one of the tracks, you know, the lyrics was talking about the shadows of the sun and just kind of all this comic book superhero uh, kind of subjective versions of comic book heroes. And it just kind of that's what kind of spun the whole idea of those shadow people um, somewhere out of my subconscious into like an idea about, you know, people and then their shadows representing so many other parts of them that, you know, either they don't show to the world or, you know, they're just not maybe not even known by themselves. But, yeah, the shadow people idea is that there's us, there's yourself, there's, you know, you and I and then there's our shadows. And that's basically where the comic book came in is that we we sang about these ideas, these weird ideas of identity and the unknown and stuff like that. And the comic book was just a way to explore those a little more explicitly, like not so abstract, but you know, actually put people into a story and kind of see their lives and you know get really weird at the same time. <laughs> I I love the fact that the book comes out of the music because most people would assume it would be the other way, where 
I mean, I don't want people to think that this is some kind of, like, there's been a lot of concept type albums and, you know, projects out there and various mediums that have, you know, crossed and connected. But often it'll be like, uh, say you've got a, a book or a movie or something and then an album is written for it or around it or the, the songs will be themed for various themes throughout the story or the plot of said comic or whatever. You've gone ahead and just made music and let that inspire the story itself like i don't know if i've ever heard of that before yeah i'd like to think it's unique i mean at the time that we thought of it we definitely thought it was unique and then we went on to learn that a lot of people have used music and comics together um the most famous which you know honestly i'm not even very well versed in their work but coheed and cambria has been referenced to me many times that they're kind of doing the same thing where they're telling a story in the music and the comics but you know, beyond all that, I do think that we're doing something different where we had music that kind of speaks to a tone. You know, it, it sets up a certain aesthetic and then we let that inspire a story. Um, and then that story has gone so much further than the music that now we can take the ideas and the narrative and come back to the music. And, you know, basically I can write lyrics and look at the pages that have been illustrated and, and kind of write lyrics to that. And sometimes even we write the arrangements around the the feeling that the comic book is is trying to create as well so it is interesting and it's it's an experiment man it's just definitely out there so i'm still figuring it out as, as we go but. well it seems yeah i mean you've gotten cyclical to the point where the comic and music are both informing each other and vice versa like that's pretty cool you know you almost don't know where it's going to come from it could come from either or and that kind of sets you up for a lot of open inspiration i would think yeah it does and i mean that's i think the best part of it is that there's always something to look to or you know to draw from and that really to me helps to kind of make a thing whatever you want to call it a product that gels because i mean really when you think about it music and comics i mean you can only consume them so many ways i mean you're going to read the comic you're going to hear the music sometimes you can do that at the same time I mean, but not entirely. You can't really split your focus entirely. So they just kind of have to play off of each other in a way that I hope is uh, embellishing and just kind of building up the overall experience so that, you know, it's worthwhile for people that do take the time to listen and, and to read it. It's, uh, yeah, man, it's it's the mood thing you're talking. And I totally picked up on that when I, when you know, I've I listened to a few of the songs and I, I totally got that, and I I love the grooveness to it too. You know, like wh what would you say as far as do you just let yourself go? Is there any influence into the actual you know styles of music you kind of bring in there, or you're you're just totally feeling it, just totally like jamming it out? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's something I've dealt with just in the exercise of trying to promote this and get it out there. Is you know defining a genre, defining a sound is is difficult. Because, I mean, it leans itself to rock. It lends itself to kind of soul or funk or just something a little more groovy than rock necessarily. And I think that we're, we're in a weird subsegment of, of music that is not in any way popular. But I think it does have a sound that, you know, you can kind of get down to, but you can also chill out to. Um, I think influences um, basically go all the way back to, you know, kind of where I came from growing up in Memphis or growing up in Tennessee. We definitely have that soulful background but we've you know we've basically 
twisted that feeling and kind of just changed it to, uh, you know, the, the soul part is just the background. The music itself is doing something definitely new in my opinion, because I've been trying to find comparisons and they're, they're fleeting, you know, there's stuff that's like similar, but not the same. Well, anything <laughs> I've kind of heard most similar, what it thought made me think of immediately was uh, certain types of like uh, jazz that I've heard. Ah, you know, and like funk jazz and stuff. Uh, nice. Bands like, I don't know if you're familiar with the Grey Boy All-Stars. Oh, yeah. I just saw Carl D. this weekend, actually. Oh, rad, rad, rad. <laughs> but I kind of I kind of felt something like that in there. You know what I mean? Where, where you want this vibe, but you're kind of letting it flow at the same time. You're like, this is the general direction that you wanted to go and it came out very naturally feeling you know what i mean nice. like it's it's not like something like i've heard some bands like most of the time honestly like punk bands doing comic book kind of soundtracks if you may ah, yeah. and it's very just descriptive and you know chorus set up blah 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 but that's not what you guys are doing you guys are not just making a soundtrack to your story you know what i mean you're definitely like they're they're just, they're almost like the same, just, I don't know if this makes sense, but the same soul inhabiting two different mediums. Yeah, you nailed it, man. That's on a, it. That's on, exactly a, on an it. equal level, you know, not where one is there to inform the other, even though they do. Do you know what I mean? Does that make I sense? totally do, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's definitely the core of the exercise. I mean, for us, it has been to try to, you know, literally tell the story, like you said, through two different mediums. I mean, I think it's exactly like you said it. Yeah. And yeah. I think the comic book kind of has this dual kind of a, it's got a little bit of a noir thing, a little bit of a horror, a little bit of a psychedelic. I mean, not so much in the current issues, but more so in the future issues. And I do think all that kind of plays into kind of a darker soul sound. And yeah, I'm glad to hear that, that you can feel that when you, when you, read or listen to either one because yeah. that is it that is it um okay well getting into the comic book uh where do you take your first step are you like okay let's uh let's kind of make you know i feel this happening let's take these songs and do this thing do you first sort of first search out an artist or how do you go about things yeah we did exactly that we started well i i kind of have taken on the comic book side of this uh, almost by myself i mean my my buddy tim and i would just sit around and you know, drink and smoke and kind of come up with ideas that we thought worked for the story behind the idea of the shadow people. And from there, um, you know, I reached out to a lot of friends. I have a lot of artist friends that I thought would possibly be interested, but it didn't really stick. People either just didn't know how to do comic books or weren't interested in the project. So um, eventually I just got really lucky. It's kind of a cool story. The the band I was talking about before, The Biz, um, you know, we were pretty active when all this was just kind of first gelling as those shadow people. And The Biz played a show at, at a local venue here in Denver, and a guy was set up. Uh, he had his own little table. He was just doing art, live art, and he had little sketch cards that he would sell. And he was cool enough to come up at the beginning of the show and just be like, hey, man, my name's Eric. Got this little sketch I wanted to give you guys. And that was pretty much it. He was just, you know, being nice and giving us some art and I held on to it. And after I kind of exhausted all my friends, you know, all my contacts that were friends to make the art happen, you know, his art's sitting on my desk and I flip it over. He's got his contact information. And this was Eric Turner um, who worked on the first issue with us. And basically from there I hit him up and I said, Hey man, we got this crazy idea. We want to make a comic to go with this music that we've made. 
uh, are you interested? And he was. And so we would meet up like once a week at a bar <laughs> and just kind of talk about, well, this is the story that we want to do. And, you know, we bounce ideas back and forth. And it was a very like old school Stan Lee production style where it was like, I <laughs> had a story idea. We talked and he would draw it. And that, <laughs> was, that was pretty much the extent of it at that point which was good and bad because the production process was just kind of all over the place. Do you give uh, him the music at the same time and say, here, this is the vibe? Like, I mean, sort of, but, I mean, the music was still being worked on at the time, so he couldn't necessarily hear a finished product. But, okay, right on. You know, he, he could hear where we were coming from, and he did know our music through you know, seeing us at shows and stuff like that. So he, he kind of understood where we were coming from, but... He was also winging it, just I mean, just like we were. We we didn't know how to make comics, and he nice. had never made a comic either. So, um, oh well, you know, that's cool. He, he... <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, we were all just figuring it out, and I think for the most part, considering that 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 it all came out pretty good, and the final product from that whole phase of this thing was really excellent. It was a uh, we got into making vinyl at the time. That was kind of what spun us off into. Uh, this whole idea was that we wanted to make a product that was really unique and so that's the music and the comic book were not just meant to go together as a an idea but we wanted to make a physical product that you'd have a vinyl record a 45 like we were talking about earlier awesome and uh and a comic book in one little package so and that's kind of where it all started was trying to bring all these ideas into that physical products and you know when we did it it took forever. It was I mean, by the end of it, I was smoking like a pack a day of cigarettes. I was just like <laughs> so stressed. But yeah, it came together and it was it was really cool. But everything has changed since then too. I mean, that's not really how we do it at this point anymore. So I, I got to stop you on the actual packaging then. So you did. You released the forty five with the comic book. We did it. Yeah, we actually we. Kind I of, want one. Like <laughs> that's badass. Like what a great idea. <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but that one, it was a limited run. We sold out. I mean, I, I might sure actually have did. a copy or two somewhere, but uh, for the most part, yeah, we actually did sell out of those. So like so. cons or shops or? Um, it was mostly just through shows, you know, because at the time we had a band that was actually playing, so we would set up our, our merch booth, not just for the band, but for the record label that we have. We, we have our own little record label called Nematode Records, and so we would set up our our wares at a show and then we did really well over the internet too like a lot of people just ordered them directly through our website so that's awesome that's great that's a fantastic idea i mean if i did get one though i'd have to get a record player to <laughs> to play it out. i you know it, that's been coming up quite often for me lately that i think i may yeah. need a turntable i think you do i think you should get I just, one i just like uh, and then a while ago i bought one of those uh the star wars read-along books that I saw at a toy show, and it was Planet of the Hoojibs. Did it have a record in it? Yes, it did. I have the record in the book, <laughs> That's awesome. and I, I have no those. way to play it. And I need—I think I may need to get a little something, even if it's like a little Fisher Price, you know, forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> that might be harder to find than just a, you know, cheap old uh, what do they call? Uh, Urban Outfitters has little suitcase turntables you might as well just go get one of those do those things still exist that's fantastic oh yeah Yeah, vinyl is making a real comeback these days well i don't think it ever really went too far i've always had certain friends who've always been about vinyl and certain shops i guess i guess 
it would have to make a bit of a comeback in the way that I know a lot of music shops have closed down, so you just can't get it. And well, I don't think it went anywhere for people that loved it, but I mean, if yeah. you look at the numbers, man, it's crazy. Like, I can send you some stuff that'll show you, you know, vinyl sales and and the record shop, or I'm sorry, the the not the shops, the pressing plants. I mean, they're just. We used to be able to get records in if we got them made, you know, basically two three months, and now it takes six months because there's such a backlog of people making records. Oh, that's a good. Thing. And I mean, millions. I mean, the sales of vinyls have gone up millions over the past, you know, year to year. If you watch it, it's really? two to five. Yeah, it's definitely. It, it maybe it's fair to say it didn't go away, but it's definitely coming back at this point. Wow, like where, like where do they just over the internet sales or like? I think, Where do you know, people buy vinyl? There's not many places left. <laughs> I definitely think that the record shops have suffered, but the ones that carry vinyl, you know, they they carry a lot of it. Um, Amazon is just like anything else you want to buy. Amazon has plenty of records. Um, and I think, you know, even some shops, like I was joking about Urban Outfitters, but there's little trendy places like that that you can go that have a vinyl section now. So it's it's more than just like, you know, made its comeback with people that love vinyl. It's kind of a you know a hipster thing or a, a trendy thing now. So, That's fantastic. For, for better or worse, I guess. Well, it's still the best way to listen to anything. I enjoy it. I mean, you know? I've heard plenty of debates about if it is or isn't, but aesthetically, it's for me one of the most enjoyable ways to hear a record for sure. Oh yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, just spinning all those records when uh, when I was younger at my grandma's, like. And there's something to the crackle, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Is just that sound when you put the needle on, you know, just that hearing the. It's the medium itself. It's almost just like just listening to a vinyl without any music. You know, you can hear those few few seconds at the beginning where it's just, <laughs> and it does something, you know. <laughs> so, what point are we at in the whole experiment? How many songs? How many issues? Okay. Um, it's kind of a convoluted journey from that point, but to sum it up, we've got about 16 tr- tracks, including a lot of remixes now, and we have technically three three issues, or maybe it would more more it would be more fair to call like two and a half issues because we did kind of a teaser issue in between uh, one and two just to kind of get the ball rolling. Because well, I'll tell you real quick what happened is after issue one and the vinyl that we did came out. I mean, it was a daunting process. It kind of like knocked me on my ass, and I it took like about three years to get the the process rolling again because my relationship with the artist was kind of crazy. It was hard to kind of keep that relationship up. I love the guy. Eric was great. I mean, you still consider him a good friend, but trying to work on comics together was not. You know, we just didn't know what we were doing. So sure, three years go by, difficult. and yeah, yeah, it was interesting. So three years go by, and we came up with new well we we pulled more songs out of the the archive and i met new artists and so back in uh in april we put out our follow up to the first one which is an ep called mission accomplished it had four new songs and it had a real small comic book which um <clears throat> excuse me at the time i thought it would be cool to kind of base a page of a comic book off of a song at the end of the day it kind of turned out that i don't know nobody wants to read like a four page comic book even if they don't (laughs) Uh, it just didn't seem that way when we put it out a lot of people were like i can't you know i can't dig into the comic there's not enough here and i got it you know i got the message and you meant it as a teaser you said though kind of yeah it definitely was meant to be like a stopgap 
you know, attempt at keeping people interested, making them something so they would know we're not dead, that we're still trying here, we're figuring it out. And <laughs> sure, sure, it was yeah. definitely a teaser in that regard. Well, it, you know, it is. It's what they. It's it really is what they say. It's about the journey, not the end, right? It's oh yeah, it's the experience, and uh, it's cool though that you seem very comfortable with just kind of letting the chips fall fall where they may. Oh, like yeah. you, like like you seem very passionate about this and very involved, and yet you you don't strike me as you know someone losing their shit over the stress of it. You know what I mean? Like, cause you <laughs> see a lot of people do that. Like, so people you pour so much hard work into something, you know, whether it's a comic book or whatever, then you just want people to see it. You know, you just want to share it, and a lot of people can't handle, you know, what it takes to get it out there. But you seem pretty comfortable with. You know, I appreciate it, that. I just, I mean, I think I probably have my own private moments of as I'm sure, panic yeah. or crisis. But for, yeah, for the most part, I've kind of resigned to the, like you say, it's about the journey. I've resigned to the process. And I just, I'm so, I, I just really get this intense enjoyment out of the process of being able to, you know, I've always had a thing, music, probably, that's where it comes from, actually, now that I'm saying that. I think what you're describing for me being able to go with it and let the chips fall comes from making music and kind of a background in just improvising music with people. Um, definitely speaks to my overall kind of mental state as this process goes on. Right on. You hear that, all you comic creators out there? Pick up an instrument or something. Write a song to, yeah. <laughs> to you know, just kind find, of mix things up flow. a little. <laughs> you know? But it's great advice. It's true, you know? Because, uh, you know, music would kind of, you know, it teaches you to be structured yet with the flow as we're saying yet you know comic book making just in itself is so incredibly structured like yeah. maybe not the story or the art but the way you've got to present it and publish it and all the actual you know logistics of it it's incredibly rigid you know there's economics that become involved and this and that and yeah it can it can be like a full-time job on the side you know and i <laughs> You know, it definitely feels that way. <laughs> you know, because it's so hard. It's like in a world where, you know, it's a bit of a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're just we're just lush with independent creators of so many different things. You know, it's uh, it's almost oversaturated, not necessarily oh, yeah. in a negative way, but just anybody can make anything now, and to crawl through that. And, you know, make yourself be heard. It's not an easy thing nowadays, you know. So that's why I think a lot of people are going back to the heart of that it is the journey, you know. I totally agree. I think that if you can't keep that perspective, then uh, you're, I mean, you're just in it for the wrong reasons, probably. You're not going to enjoy yourself very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of, luckily, a lot of comic creators are in it for the right reasons because you, you're not going to make comics unless you love that, unless you're an artist in some way and want to contribute to the creation of a story. Right. That's usually where it stems from. You know, uh, <clears throat> one thing I see that's often a problem in podcasting is so many people want to get famous. Oh, so wow. many people think they're so much more entertaining than they are. And <laughs> and I heard Adam Carolla say it the other day best. Uh, podcasts are like indie bands. Ah, yeah. You know, well, that's so funny. I was going to relate comics to music to podcast. I think that's right on. It, well, it's in the way that a lot of people have to realize that like hits don't matter, and you can't. Like you have to pod for the love of it, which a lot of people do. But then there's those obvious people who come out of the gates with this 
big, shiny, expensive podcast that they haven't even put an episode out yet. You know, they've got logos and websites and this, this, and that. And you can tell they're just, they're trying to be somebody. They're trying to create a brand for themselves. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's okay if that's your thing and that's what you want to do. But, I mean, I think in podcasting especially, it's the hardest place to do that. Like, like the top 40 to 50% of podcasters, sorry, the bottom 40 or the 40 to 50% of all podcasters maybe get 150 to 300 hits an episode. Right. You know, like that's, but you'll often hear the numbers greatly exaggerated oh, by no. <laughs> a, a, a very large number of people that you just kind of have an idea yet. You just know. But, you know, they're the ones I think are just on the wrong path. They're not getting what you fully can out of it. Like, I love to do this for this. Like, when we're done here, we're having a great chat. At least I'm having a great chat. I hope you're Me enjoying too, yourself. But yeah. when this is done, I'm going to go upstairs smiling and have a smoke and enjoy this conversation and be like, that was fucking rad. <laughs> That's going to be what I got out of this, not in, you know, next week when I post it and see how many people listen to it. Like, I really don't care, you know, like, I hope people do and enjoy it. I like to share it. But, you know, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this for the art of conversation to meet as many people as I go and to evolve the ability to conversate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's. It definitely relates, I mean, from podcasts to, to bands to comic books, the same lessons are there. They're, they're functioning through different, uh, different mechanisms, but you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people will think I've seen all this stuff since I've got into comics where there's these young guys that just like you say about the podcast, you know, coming out with logos and, you know, so many, you know, prepared items that they, they're going to create a, a comic book universe that's going to be the next Marvel. And they literally <laughs> will say this shit. Like, oh, we're going to be the next Marvel DC. And I'm like, you need to sit down and take a breath and make a comic book because it's exactly like you say. If you're not doing it, if you're not actually going through the process and getting something out of that process, then you're just – I mean, you're honestly just noise. I mean, what is the point of it anyway? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You need your voice to be true. I mean, all these mediums are just a way to get your voice out and be heard, right? Right. And, and it's – Part of life is the most important thing is that life is bigger than our little creative pockets that we get into. You know, it's yeah, it's yeah. insanely you know complex. <laughs> no, no matter who hears any episodes of this podcast, let's say in 30, 40 years, I'm, you know, maybe 50, 60 years, whatever, hopefully I'm dead and gone. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here's this record for my children, for my grandchildren, if they're interested. To sit down and, oh, this is what grandpa did, or this is what dad yeah. did, and get to hear a certain side of me that is expressing myself through my love of talking to people. And that alone is reason to do this, you know? Like, I love the fact that maybe someday my kid, he probably won't. But <laughs> you never know, though. But I mean, yeah, like, you do. You never part know. of our musical process, um, if you go back to our very first those shadow people record you'll get a kick out of this because it relates to what you're saying my buddy tim has these old uh reel to reel tapes of his great uncle uh i think his name is avilinho i probably am not pronouncing it correctly he's from portugal and he would play this crazy guitar called a fado and he has all these amazing recordings of his great uncle that i think you know his dad or his mom gave him these tapes 
and he he's gone back and listened to all this stuff and then eventually he's like sampled it and brought it into our music and that's like exactly what you're talking about is you never know maybe not your son but maybe your nephew will listen to your podcast and who knows he'll be inspired by that kind of thing that's you know? awesome that's <laughs> awesome that he brought that into the music like that that's really really cool yeah, it's it's crazy, yeah, honestly, yeah. when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, this is almost – it's also for me and a lot of people, it's it's a second chance at uh, at a certain creative outlet. Like when I was young, all I wanted to do was make movies. Uh-huh. That's all I wanted to do. I was a little actor, drama goth kid in high school, and ever since kindergarten, I got cast – in grade one, I got cast as Peter in Peter and the Rabbit, mm-hmm. and I was hooked from that moment. I was the star. I had the, the title role. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, this feels great. This is what I want. So I chased that for years. And then I had some unfortunate, you know, years in between with the drugs and the problems, you know, that a lot of people go through. Sure. No boohoo or nothing like that. But, <laughs> you know, I didn't quite end up going in the direction I'd hoped, you know. And, uh, but, you know, I was able to pull my life back together, as also many are. <clears throat> my art now <clears throat> for the past 15 years has become trees and uh-huh. you, you know being an arborist for as long as i have that's kind of become my craft and i look at it the same way as if i was you know painting a picture if i was pruning a tree you know there's there's an artsiness to it but anyways as far as the actual stuff like i used to love to edit film i was yeah. the kid with the two vcrs you know oh, like yeah. <laughs> doing the whole thing and then along comes this podcasting thing and I was hooked. I was like, what do you mean people just talk and put it out and you listen? That's it? <laughs> That's absolutely it? I'm down. So <clears throat> I got into it and then I got into it. Sorry, I'm my throat here. Hold on. <clears throat> got a little froggy in there, kids. Sorry about that. <laughs> but this, this, and then I started to learn about the recording. And then I learned about the editing. And I learned about, I discovered audacity. And that's when the floodgates opened. I love editing these podcasts just as much as I love doing them. Like <laughs> getting to sit down and like just, just cut and paste. I used to always love that. There's something in me that loves that process. And now I get to do it. You know, now I get to, I've been, for three years, I've been getting to hone that craft out of, for no other reason than I love to do it. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, for any podcaster will tell you, this doesn't make money. This costs money. Oh, know? yeah. Like, so, oh yeah, I can relate 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was very lucky to have this, this you know, not late in life. I'm only 38, but you know, later in life, and it's opened the doors to so many other things. Like now, I've like I get to moderate panels, comic cons. Oh wow! You know, like I get to host live podcasts. Like that's awesome. It's so satisfying and rewarding. Yeah, man, that is you awesome. Know, it it's it's cool stuff. So I really appreciate it. and all the amazing people and. The people I have on the show inspire the show, especially my motivation to do it because I'm yeah. I'm constantly feeding off the motivation and inspiration of these people. Yeah, it's you a know? loop, you know? We, oh, yeah, yeah. We I spend, give and we get. And <laughs> oh, dude, I spend hours talking to people who are just so into what they do and nothing's going to stop them from doing it, you know? And right. it's a privilege, and it's an honor to get to hear these stories, and people spill their guts, man. 
<laughs> well, that's what it's about at it's this point. It's awesome, I mean. you know? And that's how I kind of gauge it, you know? I, I gauge a good conversation by, is it a conversation? Is there a lot right. of back and forth? Is there a lot of interest? And then I feel like I've done my job and, you know, may, maybe it was enough of an interesting conversation for people to enjoy, so... But nobody wants to hear a cookie cutter Q and A. That's for sure. I mean, there's a thousand of those out there, and it's kind of just arbitrary to listen to that kind of stuff. So yeah, I see. I've always stuck. I I, I was confused where podcasting went because I came from the early basics as far as the Mark Marins and the Nerdists and the yeah. Kevin Smiths, like, and the Joe Rogans, just having three hour conversations with people. And then all of a sudden, I think a lot of it had to do with geek culture, actually, and comic book culture. Uh, a sharp turn happened where all of a sudden you had all these Entertainment Tonight wannabe shows yeah. all over the place. And it's just comic reviews and what's new and this. Like, if you go on iTunes and put Doctor Who in, you're going to get, like, I think four to five hundred Doctor Who podcasts. Oh, my God. And I don't need that many reviews. You no. know, <laughs> it's it's hard to stick out when it's just There's re- not enough time in the week to consume all those before Everything the next is episode. fan theory. Everything nowadays seems to be fan theory and people just spouting their ideas in hopes of what's going to happen. And I, I'm so that doesn't interest me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not my thing. I've always loved podcasting for getting lost into a conversation. And so that's the way I've decided to do it. And yeah, fuck yeah. You know, I'm not going to sit. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here. It gets so boring. And plus, it's boring asking those questions over and over again, you know? Well, there's no heart in them, of course. So why did you write this? Where was the inspiration for that? Like, yeah, I kind of ask those questions, but you have to get... You're trying for looking for a more personal response than just your, you know, your beta response to whatever question may usually be thrown at you. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate all those, you know, Joe Rogan and... uh, the nerdist Chris Hardwick, who comes from Memphis, by the way. So yes, that big is inspiration true. for me. But yeah, those <laughs> yeah. guys. I mean, I love what they do. So I totally get it. Had you heard of his dad growing up then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. His dad has like a bowling alley or or multiple bowling alleys in Memphis, and uh, you know, I knew him all the way back from. I'm trying to think. I guess it was when he was on. TV, you know, he was always on the radar because from Memphis, if somebody's on, you know, from your town on a big, you know, TV station, you you keep your eye on them. And I never knew that he was such a geek, though. You never know from a show like Singled Out, which is basically yeah. a, yeah. I don't know, yeah. a dating show. You just don't get to know him. And then as he got, you know, more progress in his career, I just, I just, he, I have a man crush on the guy. He's just killing it. Like I would love to do what he does. <laughs> well, I've liked watching and trying to kind of ride along with his evolution because he's come very far yeah and a lot of people will constantly be telling him now how much they enjoy the the show or the talk and you know that he's good at getting people to talk or whatever i mean it's not the most difficult thing in the world but what he's gotten really 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 good at is his own comfort level Mm. because i used to listen back in the day and it wasn't as easy for him he wasn't uh you know he wasn't as concrete as he is now. And it's no, been, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, he just wasn't as see... confident in himself that, you know, he wasn't, you know, I don't know. He's a nervous guy. <laughs> I mean, he's a bit of a worrywart, right? Right. So, well, but... I think 
to his uh, whatever way you want to think. But, you know, he's been sober for a long time. And for me, I'm like, wow, I can't really fathom half of these things that I do, you know, socially, like a podcast. Like, I'm having a cocktail right now. Like, I mean, that that's my social lubricant. So this guy's all it's it's all him you know there's no oh yeah he's a ball <laughs> of energy though like like it's actually he is yeah the uh, in the last little while since he got engaged and it's kind of crazy because he got engaged to the the hearst girl of the hearst right. family which is nice <laughs> i follow her it's on so, instagram it's they're so, very cute yeah it's so funny listening to the other guys make fun of him for being like rich and stuff <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he went from always being proud of and talking to everybody on the show about how he can't not work. If he's not working, he's losing it. And he's always going, go, 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 blah, 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 blah. And to lately have heard him come to the revelation that you can work hard and enjoy life too has been, I don't think I've ever been happier for him. Like I don't ever think I have ever really felt anything emotional towards him on a personal (laughs) level until I did now. Interesting. I, I, I never thought it would happen. I think that's why. Uh, <laughs> he was such a never stop guy. And, cause I'm big for balance. I'm big on balance. Like, I appreciate hard work for sure. Like, don't be a lazy fuck. I'm, I'm a <laughs> fucking tree climber, right? Of course I appreciate hard work. <laughs> but at the same time, you gotta take your week on a beach once in a while. Oh yeah. You know, you gotta completely do nothing but drink in the sand for five days. I'm big on that. Yeah, get far too sunburnt. You know? <laughs> Get into a tequila-driven fight with your wife and then have great <laughs> hotel makeup sex later. And you need to do that. If you don't disconnect once in a while, you're just going to become that android, you know? Yeah. So, I can relate to Chris in in the other regard, though, in that I'm – I mean, I go to sleep at night thinking about a to-do list. Maybe not a to-do list, but I'm thinking about a story. I'm thinking about a song. I'm thinking about a website edit and – it, and I can understand it is hard to find the balance. I'm still working on it. You know, I'm still trying to find the ways to do what I really love because it feels like a hustle, you know, like I'm sure you can relate. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it a lot of these things that we all want to do is a passion. You want to you want to do it on a certain level that you have to hustle to get there. And so, yeah, I, I'm going to keep my eye on him because if he's getting there, then I mean, he's always inspired me in different ways. So. Well, I see him getting a show eventually, like one of the late night shows or something. Oh, wow. Like, he, I don't know if he'd take it because I think he's too progressive at this point. Just and his I, own talk yeah, show type? I, yeah, and I think huh. – I don't, I don't think he'd do it, but I th- I could see a network letting him or wanting him to do it, but I think he's too beyond that now. Like, like at midnight alone, his game show, like was, that's a really, really smart original idea, and it makes yeah. for a hilarious comedy. And I, I can think see him doing yeah. that for a long time too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that could be it for him. <laughs> it's but these guys, right you never know where niche. they're going to go. Yeah. I mean, what Kevin Smith's retired from filmmaking twice in the past five years and made three movies. <laughs> like you know, like of course that's I mean, he's great. Too young though. to retire. I mean, oh yeah. Like a, you gotta never. bounce around. You know, I don't want him to end until we at least get hit somebody. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's a Canadian thing, right? That's uh, well, let's hit somebody. Just... Hit somebody is okay first there was going to be a movie he was going to make and it's based on uh what's his name mitch mitchell i think okay and he wrote tuesdays with maury and he also wrote a song wrote a song about uh like this like tough guy bruiser hockey player and kevin smith wanted to write a movie around it 
Oh. And a bunch of stuff happened, and then it's now at the point where I think it's going to be a miniseries. Oh. But for some reason, he had to go and put it on hold to do the other, do the, like, yoga hosers and all that for some reason. <laughs> and now he's got to do Mallrats 2 because the mall came up, so now he's got to do that. But I think he's eventually going to do it as a uh, as a miniseries. But it's basically an ode to Canada, he says. Ah. It's going to be just, you know, like completely Canadian cultured. It'll be like, you know, because he's such a huge Canadian Canada file, you know what I mean? Nice. So it's, you know, we dig him. Like, he's he's... He's so in love with this place and good to us, and you know, especially the Toronto area. That he's he's probably the number one adopted Canadian. <laughs> I, you know, I would, yeah, I can't think of any other American who is more welcome and loved as one of our own here than probably Kevin Smith and Mike he, Pinball Clemens. <laughs> and, uh, he's he was a uh, coach and running back for the Toronto Argonauts for years. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, hey, you got a good one there, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. And uh, it's been a good time for Toronto, clinching them baseball games yesterday and such. And uh, it's fun to see. So, uh, Denver, was that your first Comic Con? It was, yeah, it yeah, was actually. I remember that's it. And uh, what do you think? You gonna do some more? You gonna keep trying? Or? Oh yeah, I got two more lined up. Um, that Comic Con man was just so great for me i mean just to be at a comic-con in general but denver comic-con was is huge i mean what what luck to go to my first comic-con and it'd be the like third biggest in 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 america so yeah. uh, i went ahead and looked for some in the area that i could hit so we're gonna do santa fe comic-con which is probably not near as big but it seems like it's got a pretty good uh thing going and that's in october like 23rd i think and then there's another local one here in Colorado, the Rocky Mountain Comic Con, which is definitely a smaller local thing. But yeah, I'm pumped to get out there and just, it was so much fun. You know, like for instance, I met you there and I met so many people that, you know, people that are creators, people that are fans, people that are, you know, just industry in, in different aspects that I know just from being there for a weekend that it's just, it's probably one of the best things that happened, not only as a comic book creator, but as a creator, to have that environment to be able to to interact is just killer. I just yeah. loved it. You know, a lot of people nowadays, it's looked at as a big kind of corporate business thing, but, I mean, it still is what it started to be, and that's just a place to come together. Yeah, I mean, it's corporate yeah. when you got to fill out your registration and pay the fee and all that shit. It feels super corporate, but once you're in there and you're yeah. next to your buddy that, you know, he works <laughs> his day job as a carpenter, but he's there selling his original RPG tabletop game. And then there's your other <laughs> homie over here that's, you know, doing a panel because he's, you know, going to show digital process of digital art. And then there's the other guy over here that, you know, I met so many great people there that it's, I, you know, once you get through all the red tape it's just it's wonderful to be with that many people that are passionate about something oh yeah it's beautiful it's uh definitely one of the number one things this podcast has enabled is is getting pressed to these shows <laughs> is such a treat man i'm I, jealous oh, That's... oh it's you gotta make it worth it though these cons they expect it like they they'll follow you after and they'll make sure that you know they got covered <laughs> this and that but it's never a problem for me you know i'm i'm zipping around fan, like fan expo and stuff like actually i took a little light this year normally i'm running around fan expo like chicken with my head cut off but this year <laughs> i i took it a little lighter it was uh i just kind of wanted to enjoy the show for a year i had a lot of i have a big friend base in michigan yeah. 
yeah, the show's big in Michigan for some reason. Well, and uh <laughs> not too far from you guys, right? I mean, oh no, no. Uh actually we're gonna go down there in uh three weeks, me and the wifey for uh Grand Rapids Comic Con. Nice. And uh it's just a tiny little con, but I mean we've made so many good friends in Michigan over the past few years that uh it's more we're just going to hang out this time around. Right. And uh, you know, happen to pick a Comic Con for the time. But yeah, really cool people. So uh, a really good friend, uh, artist, uh, Jay Fosgett. Good friend of mine. He's, uh, one of the artists on the My Little Pony comics. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, he does a book himself called Bodie Troll. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was up at Fan Expo this year and we were chatting. And where was I going with this? I completely am forgetting where I went. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So I remembered. and uh so anyways he comes up to fan expo and uh this year and the guys who are running the con come over and i guess apparently he had been asked to do a panel and he was like cool and the guys and he asked the guys like so who's moderating the panel and the guy was like well it says here that you are he's like i have to moderate my own panel the guy's like uh and i'm like (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he just kind of turns his head and winks at me, right? He's like, well, this guy's going to do it. The guy's nice. like, sure, whatever. So, you know, very, very cool of Jay to give me that opportunity because I've, you know, I've done dozens of Comic-Cons and never, ever have I been able to get press at my own home show for Fan Expo. Wow, man. It's just too big a show and they don't give podcast press. It's sure. just, uh, they're, they have a hardline thing where, podcasts are too wild west still like we can't vet you we don't oh. know who you are you know right well yeah you I could be it. anybody so the the celebrities aren't really into talking to them right. so i try to go through the other routes like panels and actually meeting people face to face you know yeah. so but i had to go to michigan to make enough friends and build enough support of a fan base to be able to host a panel at my own hometown con <laughs> <laughs> like but that's the crazy thing man you just never know how we all get connected. <laughs> oh, it's, it's totally ridiculous, eh? But it was it was a big bucket list thing, and I got to do it. So, uh, and I met some very very cool people. A fan Expo actually changed hands uh, in the past two years. Oh. And uh, every year there's been like kind of new people coming on, taking over. And uh, the girl who did who ran the comic section of Artist Alley, she's the girl who runs MegaCon out in Orlando, and she was amazing. Christine, I believe, was her name. And they just, they treated these comic artists like rock stars this year. It was, it was a beautiful thing to see. So it's really nice to see a really big, huge, you know, second biggest con in the world really get back to its heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like there was no huge, like, guest that took the thing over, like no Shatner type thing, you know? Uh. And, uh, it was cool. It was, it was, it was just as big, but you could feel it was more about like kind of the comics. There was even less cosplay. Really? Yeah, huh. which was really odd. But uh, yeah, I always recommend it if you can get up here to the Canada and you know you want to spend Labor Day weekend in Toronto. Definitely come up for Fan Expo. I it's, want to, oh, man. I'm gonna oh, keep yeah. trying to expand my my circuit here. I'm just taking it, you know, yeah. one con at a time. But <laughs> absolutely. And I also tell people they do a kind of a smaller version in March. It's called just Toronto Comic Con. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, dude, we're spoiled around here. There's like a con every weekend. <laughs> like, it's this area. Every weekend? Oh, dude. Uh, there's some kind of show 
whether it be a toy show, a Comic-Con, an art show, oh, okay. or something always going on. Like, Ontario is so artist-rich, it's disgusting. Like, yes. just just the hey, local man, talent, awesome. you know. I think at one point, we had three of the four Batman artists living within an hour of me. Wow. Yeah, because David Finch, uh, Jason Fabok, and I think there was one other guy. I can't remember who, but they're all Ontario boys. Nice. Uh, Ken Lashley, uh, Ty Templeton, Dave Ross. Like, we're just spoiled as shit around here. I, just, I don't <laughs> know what it is, but uh, Toronto's a very artsy city. Like, very, very culturally artsy. Like, a lot of theater and arts and shows and, you know, facilities for these type things. So we're very, very lucky here as far as the arts go. Oh, I can dig that. I yeah. definitely need to get up there anyway. I mean, I've actually never been to Canada myself. My wife has, but I never have. Get on up here, man. Come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> it's totally. It's beautiful. It's good times. It's uh, it's kind of like Denver, but a lot more widespread. Yeah? Like, I was actually surprised at the shortness of the trees in Denver. Oh. Denver huh. was pretty much what I thought it would be. I thought the mountains would be a little closer. Yeah, we're not that close to the mountain. You know, a lot of people say that when they come in town, like they fly in and they're like, well, where are the Especially if you drive in, you're like, where are the mountains? But yeah. if you get in the mountains, you would, you know, you'd be surprised. It's really beautiful compared to like Denver is just a city, man. It's not, doesn't give you that Colorado wilderness like we have down here. Right, right, right. That's probably what you would feel more Canadian because, you know. Oh, yeah. Even in Toronto, like the fourth biggest city in North America, it's still green as fuck. Wow. Like, there's still a park on every corner, and there's still trees fucking everywhere. That's like, awesome. Yeah, our city is very concrete compared to just go an hour west, and you're in the mountains or mountain towns. or. Well, they're still you know, beautiful like, to look at from even in the city, and the city was are. gorgeous. The city was very tourist-friendly. It is a great tourist town. It's not, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed Denver. It was it was really nice to spend it. And the people were really nice, fantastic people as far as, uh, you know, any of the ones I met. So, Do you think you'll be back for uh, next year's Denver Comic Con? I think so. I think nice. that's going to be a, a yearly hookup. Well, I will see you there then because I've already got my booth paid for. Nice, nice. Well, hopefully we get uh, POI gets another shot at uh, the pod. I, I cannot applaud Denver Comic Con enough for having Podcast Peak. That was really cool. It's amazing. It's super cool. I'm like, well, but there's maybe six or seven of us there different podcasts and great not enough cons are embracing podcasts in any way never mind giving them their own section yeah like come on bravo bravo <laughs> denver come all right so wrapping this biatch up where can <laughs> everybody go to experience the comic the music oh well yeah the number one place i would say is our website just go to music.thoseshadowpeople.com um, because that's where you can get the package. You know, you can get a package of music and comics together as one zip file. And our first two releases that we talked about earlier are, uh, quote unquote, name your own price. So that's also known as free to a lot of people. All you have to do is put in zero dollars. <laughs> if you love it, sure, give us a dollar or two. But yeah, it's free. Um, and we just put out a new one too. We're actually putting that one up for five bucks because, you know, I don't think that's a crazy price for a comic book and an EP. So Fuck no. 
That's very reasonable. Like So, yeah, go check it out. We also have a web comic, so if you're not wanting to spend money but you do want to absorb these comics, if you go to just thoseshadowpeople.com without the music at the front, it actually has a page of the comic book. Uh, every week a new page comes out. So if you're just like, I don't know about this guy, I don't want to spend any money. Sure, I get it. There's a lot of stuff out there. Just go check it out for free. <laughs> Keep coming back every week. You can listen to the music there. You can read the comic in the same place. So... Either one. Go check them out. Uh, Philip Buck, the overly chilled entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'll telling you, kids, uh, the art looks great. Uh, it really looks fantastic. And the tunes are really groovy, uh, at least what I've heard. I think I listened to like three the other day that were really, really groovy and uh, definitely set some different moods for some you know, different ideas. So, kids, please go and check out those shadow people. Philip, this has been a fantastic time. Thank you for sitting down with me, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, man. I really enjoyed it. Very, very cool. We'll definitely talk again in the future. All right, buddy. But uh, that is all we are going to have this week, kids, on An Elegant Weapon. 